Let me welcome you back to your seats. Good to see everybody. Thank you for being here again. We are diving into the book of Corinthians. This is when we need to sing. This is when we need a song. Hey, buddy. It's good to see you, man. It's when we need a song. Arnie needs to come up and do some something. Something. We've been working our way through the New Testament. If you're just joining us or recently joining Christ's Way for a Sunday gathering, we are working our way five chapters a week. So we started Matthew 1 through 5, working our way through 52 weeks. It's 260 chapters on the dot. Perfect. All of the New Testament. This week finds us in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians thinks it's the second letter to the book, uh, to the church in Corinth, but it's not. Probably other things were happening there. But a couple weeks ago, I laid some groundwork on this church in Corinth. It was busy. It was metropolitan. It was cosmopolitan. It was like a modern L.A., New York. It was at the center of commerce and trade. Multi-ethnic. It was the happening place. Paul wrote this book, started that church, wrote this letter, 1 Corinthians, and then there were some things that happened that were off target, off mission. And then he came back with a second letter and was going to follow up with a visit. And it's a book with a lot of tension. And some of that is what we're going to address today. We're going to address some of that tension, except it might strike you as tension in a different way. Maybe even a surprising, maybe even a surprising way. We've got a thing that we say around here, and it's, uh, it's this phrase. See a need, hear a voice. See a need, hear a voice. People are wanting to ask me, you know, I mean, as a, as a pastor, maybe they ask you as well as one of the pastors here, that they, they ask, like, you know, what is Jesus saying to me? What does God want me to do? Like, what am I supposed to do next? What's the next thing? And what we say is, if you see a need, you just heard a voice. <laughs> Right? So if there's a gum wrapper on the ground and you're walking across the parking lot and you see it, guess who just spoke to you? Right? God just spoke to you, right? It, those kinds of things. If you look around here and that light bulb is out, which that light bulb is out. So now you'd have to figure out, do we have some way to do that? And we actually have the technology around here. It takes a couple people to change that one. But we can do that, right? You see a need, you hear a voice. Now what's true about many people is they see things that matter to them. My dad was a paint contractor. He'd walk in a room and that's what he'd see. I was an English teacher in high school. I don't try to proofread your stuff, I promise. It just happens. You just read it and you see that that's not a semicolon. You know what I mean? That just happens. You're not trying to do it. You're not trying to have that happen. So as we're working through this, we're looking to see what are the things that we are called to do. See a need, hear a voice. A few weeks ago, I was pulling up here, Chip and I were over on Wheeler, and we were crossing 7th, and I saw this guy out in the front yard. And he was just kind of like mulling around the front grass area on the corner. And then I looked closer, and he had a weed eater. And I thought, is that gentleman lost? Why is someone weak? What is going on over there? And I looked over, and it was 
Raise your hand, my friend. It was Isaac. That's who it was. It was Isaac was like out there weed eating, to which then I began to praise the Lord in many tongues, right? I was super excited. And then I looked around, and Joe was there, and Anna, and Judah. Like, everybody was out pulling weeds. I shot Isaac a text later. I said, thanks a lot, man. It's meaningful when you do that. He came back with, I'm happy to serve at this church however I can. And I said, you know what we say around here, buddy? See a weed, hear a voice. <laughs> I came here one day, just on a Saturday. Uh, I was going to bring Chip with me, and I don't know, he, he was tired or something. I just came on my own. I got up early and just came on my own. And I pulled weeds. I was just going to pull the weeds around here. I had some great interactions with people while I was here for that six hours. I wasn't planning on it being six hours, but that's just how long it took. And so I'd pull, and the guy across the street came over, and he said, hey, man, I've got like a tool if you need a tool. I said, I want to pull the root, my friend. I don't want it coming back. He goes, I can appreciate that. And he walked back over to his house. We chatted a little bit. Folks drove up. I probably did more ministry standing out here in that six hours of people pulling up, talking, stopping, church folks, stop, all those kinds of things happening. It was great. I got plenty of breaks. It wasn't six hours straight. I got plenty of breaks of talking with folks and hanging out. Probably more on Saturday than I got on Sunday. Half dozen people. And then there was a birthday party for the princessa in the back there. And uh, Shane came up and he said, he said, man, you should have called somebody. What are you doing out here? You should have called somebody. And you know what? He's right. I should have. He was right. And this morning... I'm going to ask you to forgive me for that. I should have called somebody. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In our reading today, and this week, you'll be in 2 Corinthians 12 and 13. And then it's going to be Galatians 1, 2, and 3. Now, I never miss a shot at Galatians. And I'd have two weeks to preach from Galatians. Except Tuesday morning, in the dark of my bedroom... I woke up and began to read through the readings for the week, and 2 Corinthians 12 caught me. And here's the reading, verse 11. Remember, there's some conflict with Paul and these people. They said, what are your credentials to even lead us? Who are you anyway? Paul wasn't very articulate. He was in jail, and he was broke a lot. <laughs> so they're like, man, you're not really the kind of guy we want to follow. What are your credentials? And Paul looked at them and he said, you're my credentials. He said, there wouldn't even be a church here if it wasn't for me. I founded this thing, right? So he's talking, that's some of the tension. So that'll give you some context. He says, well, now I've done it. I made a complete fool of myself by going on like this. But it's not all my fault. You put me up to it. This is such interesting language. You should have been doing this for me, sticking up for me and commending me instead of making me do it for myself. You know from personal experience that even if I'm a nobody, a nothing, I wasn't second rate compared to those big shot apostles you're so taken with. All the signs that mark a true apostle were in evidence while I was with you, both good times and bad, signs of portent, signs of wonder, signs of power. Now this is the part that captured me. Did you get less of me or God than any of the other churches? And here it is. The only thing you got less of was less responsibility for my upkeep. Well, I'm sorry. Forgive me for depriving you. Paul says the only thing you got less of 
was less responsibility. And for that, I am sorry. Forgive me for depriving you. Paul didn't say he disrespected them. He didn't say he did them a disservice. He said he deprived them. Depriving someone is removing a benefit that they would receive. So when I say, forgive me for depriving you, please forgive me for depriving you the opportunity to serve. My daughter Emma is not on the stage this week. Many of you know we took her to Alabama last week. Uh, Probably a year and a half ago now, maybe a year, a little bit more than a year ago now, we have this thing around here called Planning Center. And on Planning Center, you get assigned things. There are over 35 jobs that happen on a Sunday morning to make all this go. And one day I was looking through it. I have administrative eyes, so I can look through and see all the different things and see. And I saw Emma Smith was scheduled to sing. And there's a green check that you can hit, and there's a red X that you can hit. And friends, she chose to hit the red X. So her papa asked her, hey, I saw that you hit the red X. And she's like, yeah, Dad, I got a lot going on in my life right now, you know. And you know what, I mean, junior in high school, a lot going on, right? So she had a lot on her mind. And I said, okay, okay. So went to bed that night, got up the next morning. And uh, again, a lot of things happened in the, in the early morning hours in the dark at my house. And I thought, you know, I have administrative privileges. And I believe I'm going to change that red X to a green check, to which I did. (laughs) And then I sent her a text, because that's how I communicate with my daughter, right? I sent her a text to tell her that we need to have coffee later this morning, and all I needed to say was federal, and she's there, right? So we went to federal coffee and had a conversation that morning. I sat with her, I said, I changed your red X to a green check. Just wanted you to know that. She's like, Dad, as you know, she did, right? I said, listen up, kiddo, here's the deal. You're a Smith. We serve people. We don't do red Xs. We do green checks. I told her this. I said, I know what you want. I know what you want to be, and I know what you want to do for God, and a red X is not going to get you there. I said, I know your heart, and I know your desire, and I know your capacity, and a red X, sweet girl, is not going to get you there. What I did fighting for her, I have not always done fighting for you, and that is why I ask you to forgive me. I told Emma Gracie when she was the size of my forearm, I said, you are beautiful and you were worth fighting for. That's something I picked up from somebody else, John Eldridge. But I added my own. I said, you're beautiful and you're worth fighting for, even if I have to fight you. And so when I sat with her, I said, I know who you are, and I know what you want to be. And that little choice, because it's the little foxes that spoil the vine, that little choice will get you on a different path than the one that you want to be on. I said, so as your papa, not your pastor, as your dad, never a red X again. And she didn't ever again. Some of you have seen the transition in Emma. You've even come to me and told me what you've seen over the last 15 months. 
in her. Let me tell you that this morning, she woke at 5.30. She left her apartment at 6.15 for the 30-minute drive to her campus. She was to arrive at 6.45 because they had to be there at 7, and you have to be 15 minutes early. She was there at 7 o'clock for an 8.30 service that she will attend, and then two services, one at 10 and one at 11.30, that she will serve. 18 months ago, that wouldn't have happened. Over the past weekend, when we were in Birmingham, we kept hearing words like, it's a privilege. We kept hearing words like, I'm honored to serve. We heard it over and over. It just came out of people, the overflow from the pulpit. And then Tuesday morning came, and I read 2 Corinthians 12. Paul says, Please forgive me. I'm sorry. Forgive me for depriving you. My background is that I've been in churches and under leaders where people would be coerced. They would be guilted. They were treated as a commodity. I don't want that. I don't want that. And service is not for God. Service is for you. I hope you heard the introduction for this sermon today because Carly gave it. I sat there just jaw dropped, astounded. Carly gave, I'm like, oh, how, I, can I get my phone out fast enough to record this? Like, this is great. She talked about serving. And we hadn't talked about it at all. God is putting something together, fighting for us, because he can make rocks cry out. This is about us. So again, I'm sorry that I've deprived you. Service doesn't have an off-season. I've allowed a culture to grow where you can feel comfortable and hit the red X and sit one out. But I, I want you to forgive me because I've deprived you. Just like Paul. We come to the realization that we're not doing you a favor. That we need to say, it's, it's, on the, it's on the sign back there. It's on the mural. It's step seven. Service culture, serving, community, family. We're going to do better. I, see, I think there's three types of cultures. There's a culture where you X out and observe. You just you X out. I'm not, not today. I'm not serving today. And you observe. That's one culture. You're here faithfully, but you become a spectator, possibly even a consumer. You attend and you give, but that's only two of the eight steps. There are eight steps back there. Attending and giving are only two of those. We cannot find life abundant unless we do all eight. We will not move through salvation, freedom, redemption, which are our, you want our business plan? You can stand right back there on the corner of that media booth and see our entire business plan. Salvation, freedom, and redemption are the goals. They happen through connection with Christ, connection with others, and connection through purpose. And the word that is on every sign is our value, connection. And the way that fulfillment occurs is through those eight steps in the back. The second culture is one where we ask you, we get asked to do something. We pursue you, we work to convince you, we even chase you down. Emails go unanswered, text messages go unanswered, there's no response, there's no follow through, and it's as if you're doing someone a favor. Now that culture ends up with all the positions filled, all of them are filled, all of them are covered, but only a few serve with joy, 
Only a few feel the blessing. Only a few understand the privilege or experience the satisfaction of serving. Then there's a third culture. The third is a culture where we ask to be placed. I saw a need. I heard a voice. God's talking to me about. Jessica Klink can tell you a story like that. Jessica Klink saw a need, and it wasn't being met here. And there's nothing, she's not wrong. It wasn't being met here. Student ministry wasn't happening. It was COVID. It was weird. We were trying to bounce back, all of that. She went searching for that. You correct me if I get the story wrong, okay? She went searching for that. Searching for someone to minister to her kids. She went to a different church to search for it. She called me later that week and asked me if she could meet me for coffee. She was apologetic. I'm like, what are you doing? I went to another church. I thought of Christ way all the time I was there. You know, that thing. And she's like, and the man said, serve where you are. So I love it when someone goes to another church, God tells them to go back to Christ's way and serve where you are. That's exactly, what, that's exactly what happened. She's like, I'm so sorry, I feel so weird about that. I'm like, God's talking to you, I love that. Perfect, perfect. I don't know if we could find anyone more faithful to our children, more fired up about it, more excited about it, more committed to it, and her partner in crime, Lucy, together, they teach our sweet babies. I'd love for everybody to be in that kind of a spot. You see, that culture is one where you recognize that God is giving us the opportunity and the privilege to welcome and love and pray and teach and minister and touch. We ask to be placed. We ask when and how we can serve. And we have eyes that actually walk in here and see things, see people. See folks that are lonely or new or hurting. Something just triggers in you. When you have an ear for that, when you have a heart for that, when you give yourself to serve in that way, you will hear and see things. You'll be standing in your seat and you'll be drawn to someone. And you will know that you need to walk over and say, hey, I don't even know exactly why I'm here. Can I pray with you? Is there something attentive? And aware, we don't just step over. Nobody has to find us because we're seeking opportunities in the life of the church. And we're seeking opportunities to be a life and a light for someone else. So we celebrate that Christ we is our church. And Sunday is a gathering of our growing family. Now I'm going to lift the curtain a little bit and tell you some of the things we think about through the week. Recently, I asked Jeremy. Jeremy is, throw that, you can, you can just keep that up there the rest of the day, man. Throw that uh, eight steps up there. My hope is that people dream about it this afternoon at nap time. That's my hope. Jeremy, earlier this year, I asked the Lord, well, really late last year, I asked the Lord, I said, okay, how are we leading 2022? How are we leading? He said, I gave you a plan. You got it. I'm like, roger that. That was it. That was the entire conversation. It took about that long. I gave you the plan. You got it. I'm like, roger that. We'll lead ministries according to these eight steps. You don't see men's ministry up there. You don't see women's ministry up there. You don't see students up there. You don't see prayer up there. But it all happens. It all works within these eight steps. This is the path to get you to fulfillment, to a fulfillment 
of salvation, freedom, redemption. Step one, two, and three is salvation. Four, five, and six is freedom. And seven and eight is redemption. And we just bumbled into that. I didn't even realize that until that thing was already created. And then we put all this together, and I'm like, wow. Not a wow. We know that's how it works, right? God identifies and orchestrates and sets these things up. So I just asked Jeremy. I said, hey, buddy. He's, he's leading step one. Jeremy and Jamie lead step one. So I'm like, Jeremy, here's the deal, pal. I need to know the numbers. What's the attendance? And I just picked June because it was July. I said, what's June 20, June 21, and June 22? What was our attendance? June 20, 114 people. By the way, attendance is how many different people we have in a 30-day window. That's how I pastor this church. That's how I lead the culture of this church. How many different people in a 30-day window? Because our culture has shifted, right? It's not an every week church thing, but folks would call this their house of worship and their place of worship, and we travel and we visit and we have ball games. All that stuff's happening. So in any given 30-day window, how many different people have walked in this door because that's who I think we're responsible for pastoring? Because any given Sunday, everybody could show up. So here we go. 114 in June 20. 187 in June 21. And 265 in June 22. 114, 187, 265. And in April, we crossed over 300 individual, different individual people in this church. That's the first time that I've been here in the eight years I've been here that we've crossed that 300 marker. 300 marker means you pastor 300 people. And we need help doing that. One person pastors a church of 75. If they are salty, 125. Can't pastor 300 people by yourself. So this is that opportunity to serve. Now, you may not care about this, but I asked Jeremy to figure this out, and he gave me numbers boom, boom, which is why I love him so much. In that first year, 20 to 21, the assimilation rate, what that means is how many people came and how many people stayed. How many people came, how many people stayed. The percentage was 16.5%. That's one in six. In the next year, the percentage was 16%. And you just thought we preach. We're looking at these things in order to figure out how to pastor people, figure out how to be grateful and thankful and good stewards of the gift you give us because you walk in this building. It is a gift from you, and it is a gift from God. And we take it seriously, and we say thank you. So let me just say over the last two years, the number of people that have come, visited, come in, different, new, and the ones that have stayed, one in six. To maintain a church, it's one in 20. One in seven is considered a fast-growing church. We're one in six, and we don't even do anything. One in six... One in six, when you have six to ten visitors a weekend, which we do, do the math on that, I'll do it for you, that's 75 a year. And if you look at the numbers, 114, 187, 265, that's about a 75 a year. So 265 or 300, what we had in April, we're looking at 350, 375, 400 people a year from now, where are they going? Anybody got any ideas? Where are they going? Serving. Awareness. 
We're bump 80% capacity. I got a text this morning, said the parking lot's full. Those are good things, but we're not just going to go, hey, yay, the parking lot's full. And you know what I know? Because people have told me, they said, we love our little church. We don't want to grow. I understand. I get it. I, I get it. I understand. I understand. And then they went on to say, but there's good things happening here that we want people to eat and take and partake of and enjoy and experience. So you do things like 16% assimilation rate, right? And you figure out, what do we have to be prepared for? Because if everybody picked the same weekend, we're standing room only. So for weeks now, my job is to think 18 months out. Where are we going to be in 18 months? What's the music like two years from now? Where is God leading us? Where's the spirit working and leading so that when we get there, we're already there? Stuff is prepped and prepared. We seek God. We pray. We want to find out. So we talk about a second gathering. A second gathering. You know how many people like second gatherings? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. The only person that likes it is the preacher. He gets to preach twice on Sunday. Like, nobody likes second gatherings. I get it. So I was trying to be nice. I was trying to be thoughtful. I didn't want to put too much on you. I, I wanted to go easy. I wanted it to be sustainable. And I, want, I, was, I was trying not to coerce, not shame you, not guilt you. I don't want you to feel like a means to an end or just some utilitarian commodity. I don't want you to feel that way. But I've deprived you by leading that way. I've deprived you of the opportunity. What we ultimately need to do, and man, we've thought of the board, the elders, leadership, we've thought of a lot of different things. We have thought of a lot of different things. We need to sit one and serve one. We need to have a sit one, serve one culture. Two gatherings in here. Sit one, which is what you're doing right now, and serve one which some of you are serving even in this gathering, the 35 folks that need to be on line to make this happen. One in which, a culture in which we find it so meaningful to serve that we'd rather serve than sit. That's where we need to go. Were you wondering where I'm going with this? That was it. We need a culture in this church. Every church needs it. But we need it right now. We need a culture in this church where we would rather serve. We would find it more meaningful to serve than to sit. That's when you're growing. It's not, serve is not step two, step three. It's step seven. Serving on a Sunday, and that's family. You see number five, engage. That's mission. That's for someone else. That's what we do at Fuquay. That's out in town. That's missional. This is family. How many times has my son heard me say, Chip, you're eating a lot of groceries, my friend. What have you done for the family today? <laughs> right? Like, I'm hungry, Dad. Yeah, well, that sandwich is underneath the lawnmower, pal. <laughs> Go out there, right? Where we serve our family and which meaningful to do. The call today is repent. And that doesn't mean confess. It means turn. It means turn, the call to turn, where a spirit of religion can eke in and seep in and take away our joy. We understand that it deprives us. Not serving deprives us. 
We've tossed around three letters around here for years. Three letters. G-W-C. And occasionally, Delhi or uh, uh, Arnick especially, because we've talked a ton about it, maybe Jeremy as well, we'll be talking about something and I'll just walk by or they'll walk by and they'll just say, G-W-C. We just keep walking. <laughs> right, G-W-C. Do you get it? Do you want it? And then can you do it? So, if someone came up, and I'd give you the opportunity later today to go to Arnick and to ask Arnick about the desire to serve in this beautiful music ministry that we enjoyed today with media. The hardest job in the whole house is media. I can put Moses in the ark, and half y'all didn't hear me say it anyway, preaching, but he messes up a slide and is behind on a lyric. Everybody knows. That's a hard job. Eli's got broad shoulders. That's a hard job. There's all kinds of stuff that's happening in here. But if someone said, hey, I want to sing, and, and, and Arnick says, hey, uh, Christina wants to sing. I said, I've sat by Christina. She can sing, bro. Right? That's not where we start. That's the C part. There were two letters before that. G-W-C. Can you do it? Excellent. What's more important to us is do you get it? Do you get what we're trying to do here? Do you get the culture of Christ's way? You see that ABC on number two, bottom left corner? Do you understand that acceptance and belonging and community are values that we cherish here? Do you understand that? Do you understand that when you're singing, this is what you're doing and why you're doing it? The reason we do discovery for three hours on a Saturday every month is so you can figure out the why. Do you get it? And then it's do you want it? And again, I've fostered a leadership culture that pats us on the head and like, well, chases it down. I'm like, no, you need to stop that. We just need to stop that. We're not doing a surf. We're doing a disservice. He said, what did he say? We're depriving you. We're depriving you. So we want to be able to get it, want it, and then can you do it? Yeah, that's the order. So we want you to visit family, take vacations, all that. We understand all that. I was gone last week. I totally get it. But when you're here, when you're here, you're looking for an opportunity to serve because it is more meaningful to serve. Didn't someone say it's better to uh, give? Right, I, that's, that's what we're talking about. It's more meaningful to serve. It's better to give than receive. It's step seven. Now, on this path. The reason we created this is because people like to know where they are. What's next? Have I done this? Have I done that? And honestly, I, I call it the Christway guarantee, and I say, all eight steps, you'll find fulfillment. If you don't do all eight, guarantees off, right? Promises off. In these steps, attending matters. Well, that's preaching to the choir. You're here. But it's not just body in a seat. We know that. The maturity of step one is when you show up and you realize that sometimes, listen to this, sometimes you need to be here for you, and that is absolutely the truth. I've told people, go in and sit there, and you don't have to sing. Just let it soak. But did you know that other people are worshiping so they can soak? Other people are finding God not in a selfish way so that they can be giving in ministry to other people. That's the maturity of the attendance space. Yes, you're here. I got it. You're here. We could certainly move on because you're already here. But there's another aspect of that. 
the aspect of, yes, I'm here, and sometimes I just need to be ministered to, and sometimes there are times that I am the first one at this altar, or as soon as a person opens up, I'm on them, pray for me, I need it right now, all that, I totally get it. And then there's that space where I'm here today to serve. How am I serving? I'm coming to church. I'm serving because I'm in the room. I'm serving because I'm worshiping. I'm serving because I'm attentive. I'm looking around. Discovery is where you talk about why we do what we do. ABC is up there on purpose. We value acceptance, belonging, community, and to make a difference. That's what we value. And it's tied into those goals. And I will be more than happy to sit down with you and talk to you through that. Baptism matters. Baptism matters. Baptism is that step of faith. We've gotten with this coming up. I was talking to Ryland. Ryland's going to get baptized next week. I was talking to him, was it yesterday? A couple days ago, yesterday. And we were sitting there, I'm like, buddy, this is about this. You know what baptism is? Ready? Let me get contemporary on it. Ready? Baptism is Facebook post in a relationship. That's what baptism is. That's what it is. And I gave an example. I said, if like Melinda and I, and we're, I don't even know Melinda, but I think she's cute, and I keep looking at her across the church, and I don't even really know who she is. So the way I'm going to win her heart is I'm going to put a post on Facebook that says, in a relationship with Melinda Smith, before I even talk to her. How's that going to work? Not. It won't work. Baptism is what falls out of the already relationship. So we celebrate that. Connection. Connection is where men's ministry falls in, women's ministry, and students. Because the goal is not about your demographic. The goal is about connection. The goal is about opportunity. We're revamping our student ministry. We're thinking about a Sunday evening gathering, a Sunday evening time together for middle school, high school, Sunday evening. And then in the mornings, what we're doing with students when they meet, thinking about that. But you know what most of that time will be if it's 45 minutes to an hour? Do you know what most of that time will be? Hanging out. Hanging out. We need to leverage them and teach them the word. I want them to be biblically literate, and I want them to be missional and live outside of themselves. And you ready for the third thing I want? I want them to come to church when they're 19. And I understand that giving them solid doctrine will not be the thing that gets them to church when they're 19. That will not be the thing that gets them here. It will be a thing they need. But they're here because of connection. That is how that works. Engagement is mission, giving. And we say giving, time, treasure, talent. Give, you need to give. If Christ weighs your home, you need to give. You need to serve. If it's somewhere else, you still need to give. Give money. It doesn't have to be here. I give money every month and it doesn't all come here. My family gives to all kinds of different things. It's not here. I do give here, but I give, to, I give as I feel led to give. But the outflow is that you give. God isn't like month to month going, I really need Jeremy to give this month because it's getting close. He doesn't need your money. You don't give for God. I don't give for God. I give so I can be open and have flow. See, all of this stuff, all of these things are about us having fulfillment. And then, of course, seven is service. That's what we're talking about. And then eight, when you've done all those things, you're the kind of person that multiplies yourself. And you ready for this? 
you're the kind of person that we want to multiply yourself. Right? We want you to be the person that multiplies because you've journeyed. So I'm going to recognize some people here. You don't have to necessarily stand up. I guess you can. Or whatever. Jeremy and Jamie right here in the middle. If you know how important it is for people to feel acceptance and belonging, if you know how important it is, if there's a tug in your heart to recognize that acceptance is the door and belonging is the room and community is what people value, you need to get with Jeremy and Jamie. If you know the power of music, Arnick, you can come up, buddy. Well, just hang, sit, sit tight. I know. Just hang out. You're good. If you know the power of music, the power of how things moved you, your heart for it, you're, you're, you've got a gifting for it. Don't squander it. Don't squander it. Use it. It was a gift. It was a gift. See Arnick. If you understand that new people are coming to discovery, new people are looking at step two and they're coming on Saturday. If you haven't been in a couple years, you need to come. Because it's different than what you heard before. But if you know that new people are coming there, and you know that they need the power of community and connection, and you just did it in the last six months, but you know others are there, come see me, because you need to be there, right? How powerful is it for you, part of this community, to be in that room while others assimilating to this community are in that room? If you know that prayer works, has anybody had a prayer answered? Anybody know the power of prayer, the power of inviting Jesus into a moment? Would you like to be a part of that? Because if you would, you can talk to Josh and Mindy. Because they meet in the upper room. They meet up there at 925 on Sunday. You can be a part of that. See them. If you know students need mentors and love and connection like never before. If you know how one person influenced you when you were a student. And you need to get with Deli or Josh or Mindy. They're leading that all up. We're, we're, we're looking at that whole thing. I have a coach. The coach told me this week. He said, when it comes to students, he said, the one that wants them most gets them. He said, think about that. The one that wants them most gets them. If you know that mission matters and outflow matters, you see Link Hobbs, you see Kathy Hobbs. If you've experienced freedom, we're just starting our freedom groups for this semester. If you've experienced that, you want to be a part of that. Ask Melinda. Talk with her and her team of leaders. They're going to support you. They're going to encourage you. See, there are 35 serving opportunities on a Sunday, and there's soon to be 70. <laughs> there will soon be 70. So we have deprived you, and depriving means a, pulling away a benefit. And we're going to do our best to correct that error. So we're going to pray here in just a second. I asked to not do communion today just so I could have this extra bit of time, this extra seven, eight minutes for us to be able to pray. Jeremy and Jamie are with step one. I've got step two and three, Deli, Josh and Mindy, step four. Link and Kathy aren't here this morning, but they're step five and six. And then serving is in the house, right? When those are the things that are happening for you, I want you to be able to think about those things, pray about those things. Arnick's going to come out from the booth. They're going to be here. Those folks are there. Deli's up in the balcony. All around, the, Melinda's over here. 
You can pray right where you're sitting. Or you can go and pray with them. Or you can go and ask them to pray for you. Right? Whatever that is. Whatever the space is. I'm not interested in coercing you. I'm not interested in guilting you. I am not interested in shaming you. But I am interested in no longer depriving you of the opportunity to step into spaces. Carly, bless you. Thank you. You told that story this morning of how she didn't want to do it and did it. You step into those spaces that are meaningful. And you know what's, uh, you know what's excellent about that? She, she's like, uh, I mean, she told us all about it. That is the person that ministered first in this gathering today. You ministered first to this crowd. And in some ways, you might have ministered most in this crowd today. That's the opportunities that we're simply missing. And I invite you to step into them. They're going to play a song. And it was the closer that we just did a minute ago, Love on the Line. But they're not going to play it up here because Arnick would have to play the keyboard. And I don't want him to do that. I want him to be back there so you can go pray with him. I want him free so you can pray with him. And if you want to move around and pray with someone, if you want to stay right where you are and say, God, you're talking to me about this, I'd rather you follow up and follow up for real than respond in a moment and we never hear you again, right? That's not what we're going for. We know that man looks on the outward appearance, so we're looking around to see who moves. We got it. I understand, okay? That's not what we're doing. I want you to respond because here's what I actually believe. God's been talking to you before I got to talking to you. God's been talking to you before I got to talk to you today. And that's what makes it powerful. And that's what makes it transcendent. So I'm going to begin the prayer. And then if you need to go, thank you for being here with us today. Thanks a lot for joining us. We love you. Glad you're here. If you need to pray about something else, gather someone for some other need. If there's anything going on, that's our hope, is that anything you need in this space, you can receive it. Prayer can happen. So why don't we do this? Would you stand with me? And you guys that are kind of in the middle, if you want to spread out or something, get, get to where folks can pray with you. And, and Eli, go ahead and cue that song, and I'm just going to pray. Father, guide us into your service. Guide us into your work in these next few minutes. Help us recognize the satisfaction of serving, the importance of serving. As you call us into spaces, as you call us to do your work, whatever you're calling, just help us all, whether it's responding right now, or we need to think, or we need to pray, or we need to talk to someone, whatever. Let it be wide open. Let everything be correct. Let everything be right. Open the doors to allow it to be. And I ask that in your name, Jesus. Let it be so. Amen. We'll sing this song. You can pray with folks. Melinda will close in just a moment. You can sing. There won't even be words up here. We're just going to sing, listen, feel.